opportunities awaiting UCLA football. And, well, it comes up pretty soon against the Utah Utes. Can the Bruins take advantage? We'll talk about it. You are Locked On UCLA, your daily podcast on the UCLA Bruins. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome, everybody, to the Locked On UCLA podcast. I'm your host, Zach Anderson Yoxheimer. Thanks for making this show your first listen each and every day. It's free wherever you get your podcast, and it's available on YouTube. So like, comment, subscribe, download, and become an everydayer because we're talking football as the Bruins keep climbing up the AP polls, getting still a little bit of love from the coaches poll as UCLA has three straight ranked matchups. So you're going to want to tune in as, hey, even basketball is starting pretty soon in less than two months from the dropping of this pod, and we can't wait for all the fab freshmen to get started. Episode today is brought to you by FanDuel Sportsbook, the official sportsbook of Locked On. Make every moment more. Right now, new customers can bet $5 and get 200 in bonus bets guaranteed. Visit FanDuel.com slash Locked On to get started. All right, where we're going to get started, the Bruins in an absolute thrashing of North Carolina Central, 59-7. to gonna, We're going to do some grades. Hint, hint, the grades will be all A's for every little position group. Everything. Basically, everything deserves an A. That is the teaser in segment one. UCLA, in this game, rushed for over 400 yards. They threw for over 200 yards, considering they stopped passing for the most part, I know they did attempt a couple of passes, but Martin got sacked. Justin Martin, that is. UCLA basically didn't attempt to pass in the second half and still went on to win this game very easily. Defense was outstanding with a few sacks, a couple of turnovers forced, allowing less than 200 yards of offense from the opposition. Special teams nailed another field goal. Nothing too dramatic in special teams from what I was able to see in the Rose Bowl on Saturday afternoon. Overall, this was a game the Bruins came in to dominate. They did, and they came out, for the most part, extremely, extremely healthy, which is key as they head into a Utah matchup against the team that is the complete opposite of healthy. They are a banged-up squad, as can be this early in the season. UCLA, let's take a look at some of the markers that I said. All right, 45-20. to 20. Well, if you're watching on YouTube, you can see my final score prediction wasn't entirely accurate. I thought that Alabama, that Alabama State, NC Central, would actually score against the UCLA first and second stringers. I thought that would be the case. The thing that has to be noted is that Davius Richard, their starting quarterback, who was getting some NFL looks, whether you listen to Locked On HBCU, Chip Kelly even mentioned it, maybe not necessarily as a draft, uh, being in the upcoming NFL draft, but maybe as an undrafted free agent. He got hurt and finished the game on his boot, in a boot. So while the backup came in and Walker Harrison played nicely, NC Central played a lot of the game without their starting quarterback. And I wonder if that would have changed things, maybe a touchdown more. Either way, I thought the backups might give up one or two more scores. Completely wrong. In terms of what UCLA's offensive production would do, they just, in the first play, when they go, what, 67 yards for a touchdown, little play action, Dante Moore has 10 years to throw and drops it in the bucket to Cam Brown, who is wide open. You knew, uh-oh, this might be a long day. Only for NC Central to turn it over on a lot too 
pick near pick six as the Bruins were almost able to go up 14 nothing in the first five plays. It took them, what, five, six plays before they actually were up in a matter of moments. Three separate drives, if you include the drive that started at the one, one-and-a-half-yard line. Three drives had one-play touchdowns, a lot of big plays for the offense. It, it was a dominant day for UCLA offensively when you can go run and get up and down the field. 45 to 20, not accurate. I've been a little random with my score predictions on the opposition, but you never know. NC Central was ranked, had some talent on the outside. The Bruins said, no, 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 we're not doing this. The starters, everybody else, the Bruins were super, super close to getting their first shutout since the 2015 season against Oregon State, where they won 41 to nothing in Josh Rosen's true freshman career for 59 to seven win. Taking a look once again at the keys in this game, UCLA, I said, get QB pressure. Well, whether it was Richard, whether it was Walker Harris, you had to deal with the likes of three sacks. They forced Richard into an early interception. Richard, I think a little bit more athletic and mobile than Walker Harris. The NC central backup was UCLA forced the fumble Got three, got an interception and three sacks, plenty of tackles for loss. In the end, they had Walker Harris have negative 25 rushing yards. In the game, NC Central had negative 31 rushing yards after they gained 121. So they only ended up with 90 rushing yards, the most rushing yards an opponent has had this season against the Bruins. But in the end, when it came to pressure, getting there, Get pressure on the quarterback. The Bruins did that. Even though Latu didn't have any sacks, I thought he might dominate. He didn't play long enough for him to truly insert himself into the stat sheet other than the early pick six. When it comes to not sailing for field goals, apparently that was a controversial topic for some of you guys. I said the Bruins should hit pay dirt quite a bit. In the end, eight touchdowns in this game. They made the one field goal after getting stuck near the goal line, surprisingly, in a Dante Moore drive which in my mind was the most disappointing drive of the, of the game where Dante Moore got brought back in. They got all the way down, handed it off, and couldn't punch it in the end zone, settling for a field goal. That's what I mean by settling for a field goal. Not that they would have tried to run it up and go for it in fourth and short where they might do so, say, against a Utah or a Wazoo or Oregon State coming up in future weeks and future games. It, it just seemed a little disappointing that, with the front that had been dominating, regardless of who's up there in the game, starters or backups, the UCLA should have been able to punch that in the end zone for a score, even if they weren't expanding the playbook that close to the end zone on the goal line with an opportunity, despite being up already five, six scores to increase the lead. But still, eight touchdowns, I don't think they really settled for a field goal other than the last Dante Moore drive of the day. Last thing is get everybody in. Well, five quarterbacks, you had what? One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine different tailbacks get in the game. Plenty of guys up and down the roster. The receivers didn't get too much love considering the Bruins only completed 10 passes, only threw it 17 times in this game, rushing almost 40 separate times the game well in hand. Martin had a couple of opportunities to throw, and he got sacked and didn't have enough time to throw in a couple of moments later in the game, especially in the fourth quarter when he got sacked. Griffin got in the game. Nice to see him. Justin Martin see some appearances from either some guys we hadn't seen in a while or first-ever appearances. 
And then you've got Garbers, who only had to throw one pass in the game. Schley, who had two rushing touchdowns. Dante Moore, a buck 80, two touchdowns. All the keys to the game, for the most part, were hit against an inferior opponent, an FCS HBCU opponent. The Bruins took care of business, I think, even more so than in 2022. Although last year, the 2022 season, they had a little bit more random injury nonsense with DTR and Zach Charbonnet when it took a year for Chip Kelly to fully admit that those two were out due to injury, despite not really explaining at the time what was going on. Chip Kelly, in the leading up to the NC Central game, finally explained what happened that game. The Bruins in a and offense. Defensively, while facing two quarterbacks, the Bruins getting lots of players in, out, anything indifferent. UCLA getting tackles for loss from Kane Clark. You had two from Gabriel Murphy. Half a tackle for loss from Gary Smith III. Donovan Palat got his first sack. Grayson Murphy got a half tackle for loss. You had so many awesome moments, including Carson Swessinger, who had a tackle for loss, Shea Bryant, Strother, many different players got in and were able to make an impact defensively as the Bruins have forced multiple turnovers in each of their first games, the first three of the season. And I think that trend should be a promising sign moving forward. Now, are they going to force an interception, a fumble, get two picks every game? No, but if they keep on this trend of charging towards the football, rallying to make the tackle, not letting playing the opposition, being opportunistic defensively, whether it be reading the quarterback's eyes, taking advantage of a tip ball like the San Diego State game, and when the one fumble or two fumbles were on the ground, they scooped it up and ran with it. Maybe not run it to the end zone necessarily, but they ran with the opportunities the defense has presented itself in forcing turnovers. So that's three in week one. Another big time three in week two, and now two in game three. So that's eight turnovers forced for UCLA in the first three weeks of the season. That's um, amongst the top in the nation defensively with the defensive unit that does look improved, but they haven't been tested yet. And I'm not sure what the Utah game will bring with the question marks around Cam Rising, Brant Keithy, and all the injured Utes, which we'll talk about coming up in the next Locked On UCLA segment. Overall, UCLA had all the keys to the game, dominated this performance. A's for the offense, A's for the defense. You're not going to downgrade them because they gave up a touchdown. Special teams, Lopez is still perfect on field goals. Kickoffs are going fine. I thought UCLA might break a kickoff return for a touchdown in the game, the only one or two chances they got. We'll see how that plays out in weeks in the future, considering they still have Yankoff returning kicks. That seems to be the only bugaboo in any of the return punt block any of the special teams formations can they get a dynamic kick return getting what they had in years past with Kaz Allen right even Ish Adams from way back when for UCLA can they get that dynamic kickoff return or maybe a punt return with Loya to get the Bruins some special field position in key games down the stretch coming up in Pac-12 play A's all around the Bruins kick some butt Dante Moore's the starter. No questions, despite the lack of official verbal commitment to the media by Chip Kelly. And we can't wait for the ranked matchup against Utah. So we'll talk about that coming up next in segment two of the Locked On UCLA podcast. This episode is sponsored by BetterHelp. Give online therapy a try at betterhelp.com slash college and get on your way to being your best self. 
maybe you've sat there recently and you've kind of can't get out of bed. Your thoughts are racing. Maybe you have negative thoughts and you get negative thought bubbles or cycles. There's just things you just don't understand that are going on mentally that you can't get out of. A, you can't just get out of that mental cycle and you want some mental peace or emotional peace. I've certainly been in that space, especially during the 2023 year. And in recent years, it took me a long time, but I finally gave online therapy a try and it's worked wonders for me. So if you're thinking of starting therapy, you can give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. All you have to do is fill out a brief questionnaire and you can go find a way to get a break from your thoughts with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash LockedOnCollege today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash LockedOnCollege. Second segment for Locked On UCLA, Zach Ederson-Yox. I'm with you guys as we roll on here with this pod today. This is the time where opportunity knocks. Maybe you're a Breaking Bad fan. Danger is at the door, Right. Eisenberg, whatever his name is, I forget, it's been a long time, you're right. Walter Wright knocking at the door, danger, I am the danger. Or the Bruins the danger, or the opponents the danger. Who knows, whatever it may be, UCLA has a great, fantastic part of the schedule to either earn it or be a decent team this year. They can be good, they can be great, or they can just be a team that's just a year or two away from truly blossoming with a, a fantastic, fabulous true freshman in Dante Moore as the quarterback, some talent in the backfield, a lot of talent outside. Maybe the changing of the guard defensively as Chip Kelly wants to find that aggressive young mind defensively as he found it with Danton Lynn taking over in with the talent they have up front right now, the Murphy twins. They've got Latu. The DBs are finding ways to get interceptions, make plays up the middle. The linebackers have been pretty good in the last couple of weeks. This is an opportunity for UCLA, three straight ranked matchups in the upcoming four weeks at Utah, a bye, home versus Wazoo, who's currently ranked, and then you've got Oregon State the week after that in Corvallis, which expects to be an extremely tough matchup, regardless of how DJ is throwing the ball. Cam Ward is a tough QB. But then you see all these tough matchups, and you look at Utah and Salt Lake City. Initially, as the schedule came back, and came out, you wondered, ooh, that might be a little bit tough to take on the two-time defending Pac-12 champs in their place to start off conference. But you'd rather play them early than play them late. They have an opportunity to not go out there when it's cold, when Utah's been rolling. At the end of the 21 and 22 seasons, it's been a program that's found ways to just dominate teams we thought might easily win the Pac-12 championship game, like in Oregon or a USC in recent years, once they abandoned the North and South divisions for the Pac-12 championship game. Utah, despite maybe being overlooked, and they probably might be by myself right now, they've been a tough program under Kyle Whittingham. But the biggest quote, which is the quote that we must look at all week long, this is the reason that UCLA has the opportunity that they have in front of them. Kyle Whittingham, during the most recent week or right after their win versus Weber State, considering they've already beaten Florida, who just went and throttled a probably overrated Tennessee team. They went and beat Baylor on the road without a starting quarterback for both teams, beat Weber despite a slow start. Kyle Winningham was quoted as saying, we've got to get healthy. We've got 15 or 16 guys that can really help us win that are not available. 
We've got to start getting them back, end quote. Something he hasn't seen this early in the season is how banged up the Utes are. You've got Cam Rising, who this is the biggest question mark, waiting to come off the ACL injury. Is he healthy? Is he cleared? He's in practice, but can he play? The, the Bruins, the, the reporters asked Chip Kelly at the most recent practice, what do you expect from Cam Rising? Well, he's a tough competitor, and if he's there, we know what he's going to bring, and we expect the best. Some, some unofficial quote that I'm just flubbing. But it was, you know, it's Chip Kelly speak. You can't really mess up Chip Kelly speak unless you're completely misquoting him. He just said he's a competitor and he's going to grind it out. But we don't know if Chip Kelly is going to see Cam Rising or Nate Johnson for Utah, who started the year as the third string, came in relief in the Baylor game to lead the Utes to the win, and now is the starting quarterback going forward until Rising returns and is cleared to play. They still have Brent Keithy, a starting tight end that's been there for six years, that is lethal, one of the better options for Utah. They love their tight ends. Keithy, if he can come back, mind you, Utah's missing a kicker. They're missing quite a few weapons on the outside for the receivers that missed the Weber State game, people on defense and special teams. If there's ever a perfect opportunity, a perfect storm for UCLA to go in there and beat a team that's on the verge of being a top 10 team this year at the edge of the polls they've got two power five wins without their true starting quarterback and best tight end with multiple injuries and you do it on the road with what the talent ucla i think has displayed so far this is a prime opportunity to steal a top 15 win and start off pac-12 play one and oh then you can recover analyze the situation even more and head into the bye week which could kill some momentum or spring the bruins forward into the rest of the gauntlet that is the middle portion of UCLA's schedule, right? The four, five, six, into seven, eight games of UCLA's 12-game regular season schedule. You beat Utah now, that can set yourselves themselves up for a surprise run to the Pac-12 championship game, which despite the talent the Bruins and Chip Kelly all expect to have, this is a tougher schedule than we even would have imagined when it came out. Everyone circled this Utah game as the, Make it or break it game early on to get the Bruins there. 15 to 16 guys injured. It's early. I remember Ethan Garber's first career start came against Utah in 2021, and the Utes feasted on the Bruins with DTR out. If there was a perfect storm for more to go in, play a tough defense. Maybe it's a day where he doesn't have to throw for 350 yards and face a, a big time Utes offense. That's not what Utah has at this moment. If the defense can play up to par, Keep Utah behind the eight ball, force them to throw, keep Johnson in the pocket if that's the starter, if Rising isn't able to play. Moore doesn't even have to play the most spectacular game as a true freshman to help lead the Bruins to victory in the Pac-12 opener on the road and what expects to be a sellout big-time crowd on one of the better weeks of college football with all the ranked matchups we have or top-tier teams at home or on the road. UCLA is in the middle of the day, nationally televised, with a chance to make its mark and climb even further up the rankings. They're 22 in the AP, 25 in the coaches, 24, whatever it may be, 19 according to CBS Sports. I know all that is nonsense, but this is one of those, just like it was in 2022. Hey now, look at you, UCLA. Look at the Bruins. That's when everybody started to believe. Now there will be a lot of flack for UCLA, even if they win this game, if Rising's gone. And Keithy. And all these guys that are injured, Utah can get away with that and still run the table after that if they get completely healthy. This is still an opportunity considering Florida went and waxed Tennessee 
in the swamp. Baylor couldn't beat Utah at home. So with the work that Utah's already done, this is a great, fantastic chance for UCLA to do so. And then you still got to play Wazoo, who plays Oregon State this week. So the next two opponents UCLA plays, Wazoo at home and Oregon State. Washington State has a game, has a bye, just like UCLA heading into that game in the Rose Bowl. So both teams will be equally rested heading into that game, preparing for the Cougars and Bruins matchup. In my mind, Oregon State, about a top 15, top 14 team in the country. If I, as a Bruins fan, I'm rooting for Wazoo to go upset Oregon State. So they win that game. You get a bye. UCLA and Washington State, if UCLA can beat Utah on the road and surprise a lot of folks, go into the Rose Bowl with a top 20 matchup again against Washington State, who won't fall out of the rankings if they beat Oregon State with the bye. And the Bruins could have another back-to-back ranked win scenario. Last year is the University of Washington in the Rose Bowl and then Utah. This year it's Utah on the road first. Maybe Washington State goes and knocks off Oregon State who probably wouldn't fall too far down the rankings with that type of loss. Oregon State, who has got an easier schedule than most this year in the Pac-12. If the Bruins go to Corvallis unbeaten, one loss, two loss, that game's still going to mean a lot because it's on the road in Oregon State. Washington State's already beaten a ranked Wisconsin team, although they tend to be usually overranked. This is the type of gauntlet conference schedule that is going to happen in the Big Ten. It's one thing if you're playing... You get the Rutgers and all these different schools, right? You know, there's Rutgers undefeated everything. But if you get like the typical schools that aren't super good, but just because they're in the Big Ten get that notoriety, this is the week in, week out type of tough schedule at home on the road the Bruins are going to have to face come mid-early September, heading into the middle of October, going into 2024 and beyond. This is a schedule I think sets itself up nicely for UCLA. The buy is either a blessing or or will be a curse this season. UCLA, hey, Chip Kelly, hey, this is the opportunity. You go steal one at Utah for a second straight year, despite the dominating defense. They're banged up. If Wazoo can knock off Oregon State in a game between those two teams this year, in this week upcoming, the Bruins could have a top 20 matchup against, maybe top 15 matchup between the Bruins and Cougars at home. And then you go to Washington State, And by that time, either the hype train, the hype machine is going through the roof or UCLA has come back down to earth. They might be able to handle a loss between one of these two games. I don't think that Utah game should be one of them. Even if Rising and Keithy are back, this is a game UCLA maybe shouldn't be favored in, but they have a clear opportunity, a clear path to win this game and get themselves into contention for one of the two spots in the Pac-12 championship game. A lot has to happen. A lot has to happen right. But remember, you still got to play Arizona, Arizona State. You don't want to – the Arizona game you don't want to take lightly. But those are easier games in the back half of the schedule, Cal, Stanford, where it lightens the load. You get through this part of the schedule, you go face Colorado, who is either going to be riding high or kind of falling back down to earth. This is the make-it-or-break-it portion of UCLA's schedule an opportunity to impress, now prove it. So let's get excited, UCLA fans, because beyond, I'm not sure what these three weeks hold. We can either be on the joys of a dream season, a good season, or disappointed that the Bruins have a lot of talent, but they're just not there yet in 2023. Coming up next, I'm going to tell you, do we think looking at UCLA's 
future schedules from 24 and beyond, there's some openings UCLA still has to fill. I know there's questions with the Big Ten schedule. Should UCLA consider scheduling FCS opponents now that they've broken that barrier and played not one, but two FCS and HBCU schools? Is that a regular thing the Bruins should do? Or is it a a waste of our time and a good sentimental moment the Bruins did it the last couple of seasons? We'll talk about it more coming up. Now it's time for your Game Changer of the Week, brought to you by Athletic Brewing Company. I'm going to go with Anthony Adkins. There's many different options you can go in a game where UCLA had eight touchdowns scored. The defense was completely a stalwart. Special teams was pretty buttoned up. In the end, I'm going to go with Adkins because he led the Bruins in rushing, 96 yards, touchdown, almost like a bowling ball, just full head of steam going north to south, right through the NC Central defense. And for the Army transfer, who hadn't played since 21, to get back in the flow of things consistently, getting more than just one carry, one opportunity, he could be somebody the Bruins look forward to in a goal line scenario, just go straight through the D line and score a touchdown or fourth and one. Nice to see him have some good runs, some big runs, impossible to take down. Much like Anthony Adkins, Athletic Brewing has completely changed the non-alcoholic beer game. They make non-alcoholic beers actually taste good. So how do they taste good? Well, they're full of flavor. They're well-crafted just like a full-strength beer. Over 50 styles of craft non-alcoholic beer, including IPAs, Golden Sours, and more. They're fit for all time, so you can drink them anytime, anywhere, and make any activity more enjoyable. You can find Athletic Brewing Company's non-alcoholic brews at a store near you or go to athleticbrewing.com to buy them online. First-time customers, locked on is the code to get 15% off your first order. Again, the promo code that's locked on, L-O-C-K-E-D-O-N, at checkout for 15% off, athleticbrewing.com. Near beer, exclusions and conditions apply. Athletic Brewing Company, fit for all times. Third and final segment of the Locked On UCLA podcast. All right, let's take a look at UCLA's upcoming schedule. I don't have a graphic for you because I'm not the best planner well and ahead in advance, but we're going to bear with it. You're going to listen to me yap, yap, yap going forward. Most importantly, UCLA's 24 and 25 Big Ten schedules have been released. And then conference realignment hit craziness, Oregon and Washington to the Big Ten as well. You've got all the corner schools, the four corner schools going to the Big 12. And then you've got Oregon State, Washington State in the, the two-pack, the pack two, whatever you want to call it, battling it out this weekend in week four. I mean, a ranked matchup between the Cougars and the Beavers. More importantly, should UCLA play an FCS opponent again, whether they want to go and play an HBCU and make that a regular occurrence, or maybe they dip down and play some local California schools that in the FCS or just play other teams on the West Coast, any team in the FCS, Maybe they get crazy and you schedule a North Dakota State. I don't know where they're going to go. The Bruins had been one of just three programs left in the country that had not played one. It was UCLA, SC, and Notre Dame. The SC fans put up a cry, so they canceled their game. Notre Dame just played Tennessee State. That ended their longstanding lack of scheduling an FCS team. The Bruins, because of the Michigan cancellation, were kind of forced into a bind and needed to get a last-second game in to complete their scheduling, both home games, and found Alabama State and NC Central, which were fun opportunities, fun games to see the bands come out, the celebration of the HBCUs coming out in large support, especially with the Eagle alumni, Eagle fans, and the band all loving the game despite what the final outcome co- outcome was. 
getting players to come play in the Rose Bowl, which we all, I think, can agree is the most iconic venue in college football. Despite the lack of fan attendance, it doesn't mean it's any less special for these players to get out and play in the Rose Bowl. But that being said, what are the pros and cons of playing these games? Well, it's one thing to look at the attendance numbers, the interest level. Does that really build a case for what will be soon a 12-team playoff? Or maybe you just need a bye week to stay healthy in preparation for what is your Pac-12 opener and in future seasons will be your Big Ten opener. Looking at 24, UCLA has at Hawaii in late August. You play Fresno State, the Rose Bowl, and then way till September 21st, you go to LSU, which would be this upcoming weekend. In a year from now, they'll go to Baton Rouge and take on the Tigers. In 25, the Bruins host Georgia, go to UNLV, and then play New Mexico at home. Quiet compared, you know, Georgia. What? Georgia's coming to town, barring something crazy. This is all on the UCLA website. So barring crazy changes, you know. 26, they go to Georgia. They host San Diego State, Nevada. So a lot of these home games are, for the most part, baked into the schedule for the next few seasons. But then you go to 27, the Bruins go to Hawaii again. They host Auburn. You flip that in 28. You go to Auburn, host Hawaii And then in 29 and 30, technically their only non-conference game scheduled were against Wisconsin, which either could stay on the schedule and just have that as a Big Ten non-conference game that doesn't count against the conference standings, or what will most likely happen is you remove those games and the Bruins have to completely wipe the slate for games six and seven years down the line in 29 and 30. Do you bake in some FCS games as opposed to what might be the Mountain West slash newly branded Pac-12, whatever it looks like, or do you play a group of five schools like the San Diego States, the Fresno States, which have played good games against the Bruins and given UCLA fits in the most recent of years, but you still got to get three non-conference games. Is it worth it to even go a few rungs lower and play Alabama State, Jackson State, NC Central, the UC Davises of the world, right in California if you want to stay local, Maybe you go crazy and you play Lincoln University of the Potters, right? D3. Who even knows what they are, right? If you don't know what they are, go look them up. The Bruins, I'm not sure the viability of doing this long-term. There's the importance that these schools need from the paychecks of playing these games, which has been said before. Right? You pay these schools. They get to keep their programs running because they don't always get to make much money based off football. It's just to get these kids continuing to play the game. Whereas UCLA doesn't get much fan attendance where if Michigan came to town or the Bruins went to the big house, all of a sudden that's two outstanding opportunities with Michigan in the final, in the, you know, the college football playoff a year ago, you're playing the, the Jim Harbaugh list, Michigan Wolverines this most recent week or the next week, all of a sudden the Bruins could have had a fantastic opportunity to play a big 10 team. And now we're bitter about it. And we have to wait another year or two before the Bruins go to Ann Arbor or host the Wolverines based on what might be a revamped schedule with Oregon and Washington going in. Overall, you know, going in the game, it's fun to see the smaller schools get the opportunity to play the UCLA's of the world coming to the Rose Bowl and getting to play those games. But fan interest is just not going to be there. So at what point is the financial aspect of it? I know the Big Ten media deal is going to wipe out a lot of the debt despite the added expenses for traveling costs and additional academic help for these student-athletes going forward. But still, is it really beneficial to play an FCS team again? I'm not on the bandwagon that the Bruins 
should make it an every year thing. Maybe once every five or six years, SEC schools make it like an every week thing, it seems like, in the non-conference. That's not accurate. That is not true, what I just said. But it just seems like conveniently, which this is true, week 10, all of a sudden, some team comes in and it's a bye week. What's going to help UCLA this year? They're going to go into the Utah game healthy. Utah completely banged up. They did the same thing by playing Weber State as they try to get healthier to play UCLA. That is the pro UCLA might get almost two bye weeks within the first five weeks of the season. By beating NC Central, you've got a quarterback that's played maybe a game and a half in Dante Moore of real game time. And a lot of players, for the most part, UCLA, maybe one injury or two from what we know at this moment, the recording of this podcast, where Utah's down 15, 16 guys desperately needed to play that Weber State game a little bit closer than they thought at half, and they still lost two or three more guys, which is going to happen throughout the season, yes. But should you do that by playing FCS opponents, or does that take away from the purpose of playing the games the different many levels of Division I football, FCS, the group of fives, the forgotten Power Five, Power Six, the Power Two conferences, and then the big boys who Chip Kelly says should play for a different national championship entirely from the group of fives, from those schools that aren't as competitive. Is that where we're heading towards? Should the Bruins not play these small schools again? Or should this be something that every school does? Just pay games. Every school plays one. It's maybe a glorified scrimmage. And that could be a preseason game, right? In week zero. So we can all go be excited, get your 20,000, get your 100,000 in other places. And maybe it doesn't count towards the record, but guys can get in and get reps as opposed to practice and maybe make it like a mini NFL preseason as opposed to a game in the regular season. I don't know. College football's changed so much that could happen. Maybe all these schools lose football in years to come. There's just so many things that could happen from here until now. I wouldn't say I was the most excited fan when it was 35 nothing early and wanting to sit there. It was fun. It was great to see all the players play. Is that really what we want? Or do we want the crazy atmosphere that was Colorado, Colorado State double overtime? I know the Rose Bowl and SoCal fans, we don't always bring that energy, but we do want games more like that as opposed to 59 nothing in the fourth quarter. That, that, that's just my thought. I understand the financial sentiment of it, the exposure part, which is important, but I'm not sure that should happen all the time. We either go all in, every school does it, for a preseason week zero exhibition or we've got to get some form of uniformity with the schedule. I just don't think the Bruins should continue to do this going forward unless by necessity like they had when Michigan forced their hand. Shout out, Michigan. Forget you, Wolverines. In the meantime, we're wrapping up Locked On UCLA. We're going to talk more about this Utah matchup, an important top 25 matchup between the Bruins and Utes again, and maybe the Bruins can steal one in Salt Lake City for the last time as conference members, these teams were foes for just a little over a decade. Hands up, UCLA fans. And one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. U C L A. UCLA fight, fight, fights. This has been Locked On UCLA. Zach signing off. Go Bruins.